0: Welcome back. Hi there. I hope you've all been well. Um, what are we talking about today, Hannah? And who are we talking to?
1: Who are we talking to? We have a special guest we this week. We have a special guest.
0: Hello.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was like, do I speak <laughs> now or do I wait to be introduced? So, hello. Yes, yeah. I'm the special guest.
1: This week we are talking uh, with um, a, f- a friend.
2: A friend. Right? A, a friend. friend. Yeah.
1: Friend. Yeah. I guess. I guess you call him a friend. Uh, Gordon Houston. Gordon Houston is. Um, uh, an actor based in Edinburgh and that's all I know about him. I am indeed. Do you want to tell us about yourself?
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I am uh, I'm an actor. I also I have a day job. I work in a tourist attraction in the centre of Edinburgh um, Getting to act every single day, which is wonderful and um, my dad did a degree in musical theatre and after that I worked in a few various places and I've now ventured up to Edinburgh and um, Uh, And I'm a big geek, which I think is the reason, the main
0: reason I have been asked to be here Yes On this occasion So this episode is being recorded a couple of weeks after Avengers Endgame was released Yeah, I think so A couple of weeks Um, And uh, we are using this moment when... You yeah. know, Game of Thrones has has come back, new New Avengers movie. There's been recent announcements about new Star Wars movies coming back and new Indiana Jones movies coming back and Avatar sequels and more and more of these sort of major sci-fi slash fantasy uh, franchises releasing prequels and sequels and, and whatever. Um, and we're using this as uh, an excuse to talk about the phenomenon of spoilers. Uh
1: what are spoilers? Well, what,
0: what are spoilers? Um, spoilers,
2: to me, are um, uh, pieces of information or pictures or videos that could give away um, plot moments from films and TV
0: um, that spoil the end. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there seems to be a sort of... Uh, quite a both online and offline phenomenon that involves either people protecting themselves from being spoiled or people actively choosing to spoil the plot, plot point Plot uh, and so on. And the three of us have sort of quite interestingly different attitude towards spoilers, I think. Um, we should start off by saying that Gordon and Hannah have seen Avengers Endgame. Yes. I haven't. Yeah. Uh, we will be talking about that film, and we will be talking about a number of other examples of potential spoilers. So there will be many spoilers in this episode um, of various kinds. Uh,
1: Get over it. Get <laughs> no, over spoiler it. alert! <laughs>
0: yes, <clears throat> this episode is called spoilers.
1: We ruin everything, though. I think the the sort of theme of our podcast is like ruining the things that other people love, uh, and so the I don't think it's any different this week.
0: <laughs> so do you want to start with you Hannah Spoiling
1: me, end game Well do you want to tell,
0: tell us what your attitude towards spoilers is because it's different from It's really first. interesting I
1: mean my uh, what I found so one of the reasons I asked uh, Gordon to come talk about this with us is because I find it really interesting how much he hates spoilers Oh yeah um, I don't mind them very much and I, I think part of it is I'm, I'm a little too cool for school and I'm like whatever I, I'm not attached to anything Like I, I can take or leave movies you know, I have no fun, no joy, a little dead inside. Um, but I, I don't really care that much. And part of it is uh, being an academic and certainly an academic in the arts. We deal with kind of art and media a little bit differently from the way that kind of average audience members do. The way that we critique some of the things that we look at, you know, is, is a little bit different. And we're not that interested in um, kind of surprise or... Um, the sort of emotional weight of, of a, a piece of a plot or the way narrative is structured or um, a really big kind of visual reveal. We're more interested in kind of underlying discourses or you know that kind of thing. So I've gotten used to not really caring that much about spoilers and also in order to write about or teach about or talk about a piece of pop culture, being used to kind of looking it up and, and having it sort of in a sense, ruined for me. But I don't feel like it's ruined. I love studying pop culture in that way. And I love looking at it the way that we look at it on the podcast. So for me, I get something else out of pop culture. But what was really interesting was Gordon posted a meme on social media that was like, don't spoil Avengers for everyone. Like, if you're a good fan and you care about this movie and you care about everybody else and you you, you you want your Marvel joy, don't ruin it for us. Of course. Like, be part of the team. Yep. And... I, part of me was like, it's really sweet that he cares so much. Like, here's a grown-ass man man. who cares so much Mm -hmm. about the end of Endgame that this is like part of his, his kind of activity on social media. Yeah. And it made me sort of think like, maybe I'm a little depressing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm the sure the will,
0: well, I'm sure that will not come as a surprise to our listeners uh, <laughs> god do you want to tell us what spoilers mean to you and <clears throat> why you hate them so much? Yeah,
2: I I just get such a the, There's a huge enjoyment out of being taken by surprise at a Plot or a story or a twist in a story, because if you if you know in advance that a twist is coming, or if you know in advance that such and such is going to happen, you can guard yourself in a way from it and not feel not not be taken along in the ride by it. Because I, I I find myself, I think I'm quite a I'm quite an empathetic person and a sympathetic person and when just in normal life if someone looks sad I don't know why they're sad but I can feel it like I don't know why but I can just feel it so when, when, when things happen on screen that take me by surprise and I really I can get blown away on this journey with, with everyone else and my brain automatically if I know something's coming I don't, I don't know why but I just find myself being like oh I knew that was going to happen like yeah. I love surprises in real life yeah. Like just like Christmas, I don't understand why people don't want why pe- some people want to know what their presents are, what what they're getting. I'm like, nah, mate. Like I, there's something incredible about just not 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 knowing what's what's
0: gonna happen. So there is, I understand, a big surprise in Endgame
2: Well, I think people knew that something was going to happened to a particular... Well, they didn't know what character it was going to happen yeah. to, but people knew that someone was not going to make it out to the other side.
0: And did you... You knew... But you didn't know what that was before you watched it?
2: Um, I knew what was going to happen to the character, okay. but I, I didn't know how it would happen or which okay. or which character, which was the kind of... The, the
0: So was it a moment of surprise for you?
2: Yes. Although, to be fair, in the moment where in the moments leading up to it you know that it's about to happen yeah. but it was a surprise i didn't yeah. know though it, it could have been it could have been anyone up to that mm-hmm. point to me i think yeah so yeah i just I, I i also just there's just something about going along with a story like why would you want to what what is the point in watching something if you know what the ending's going to be like when you're re-watching something for enjoyment i understand that because i love i do re-watch films yeah. and I like I just love games and films and all that kind of stuff and I will re-watch them yeah but when you you're not going to get to watch that thing for the first time ever again yeah so why would you taint that experience for yourself why would you deny yourself the the emotion that that's yeah. gonna cause within you or the excitement when yeah. the thing happens yeah. like I just I I
0: love it like I I yeah I don't know I just I love it. Because for for me, I mean, do you want to talk about your experience of the twist and in Endgame?
1: Yeah, I mean, I part of it is for for a lot of years, too many years. I dated a writer, Hmm. and he would he would ruin TV, but just because he knows how narratives are structured. And so he would be, like, really early on, and, like, a lot of people would be surprised. Mm-hmm. And he, really early on, he'd be like, oh, this is what's going to happen. And be like, how the fuck can you possibly know that? And so like, he, he
0: didn't have added information? No, it was you. just because he yeah. knew the mechanics, yeah. of,
1: the mechanics of storytelling, and, the, and he was quite good at the technical craft of writing stories and writing yeah. poems. Um, I can't speak to anything else. But he would and so we'd watch T V shows and stuff and he'd be like, Oh I know what's gonna happen. So he would really like like shows that didn't rely much on plot or didn't mm-hmm. nothing really happen. So like Flight of the Concords, we were early adopters of Flight of the Concords because nothing happens in that show. Yeah. They sing stupid songs mm-hmm. and wander around New York. Like that and that is all he really needed because for him there wasn't really a structure to it. It wasn't a mechanics for him mm. so I spent my formative years really from the time I went to university having stuff spoiled for me just because he'd be like oh yeah I know what's gonna happen I know how it's gonna go and Game of Thrones like one of the reasons I never really got into Game of Thrones is because I read the first three books and like I just could like sort of hear his reaction which is like I wouldn't have done it that way I wouldn't have written it that way like that and god yeah
2: that annoys me
1: yeah we're not together anymore <laughs> Good, and I don't think he listens to my podcast. So,
2: <laughs> like, I can I can understand yeah. if your if your profession or your job or what you're good at has led you to be able to put two and two together and get four. Like, you know what I mean when it comes to TV shows. But when we're watching film and TV, like, yes, we're wanting to maybe you do want to investigate the plot, and you want to think about the themes, and you want to think about all that kind of stuff. But when you're watching a thing that's been designed to take you away into another situation, or even like like reality TV, like it's not it's obviously it's a it's 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 not it's not to do with you. It's mm-hmm. to transport you to where these people are
0: mm-hmm. and what they're doing. I just I mean I'm I'm big on just letting it take you know, me what, away. What's, what's fascinating mm-hmm. to me here is so that there's some worlds that I know more about where I would be more sensitive to spoilers, Harry Potter, Doctor Who and, and a few others. Mm-hmm. There are others like the Marvel Universe or Game of Thrones that, where I don't know enough and, and I'm, I'm not particularly sensitive to spoilers. But what's fascinating to me is listening to both of you talk is you are both constructing narrative as waiting to find out what happens next or what happens in the end, which... Is a very particular definition of narrative I think because you could also think about narrative as how do we get there right so granted that you Mm -hmm. know person x dies at the end like I don't know if you like you know if you know the plot of Hamlet for example you know Hamlet is going to die at the end Mm -hmm. but there is still a journey that you go along with with the characters so I guess in the, in
2: that case, that's maybe what I was when it came to Endgame.
0: Yeah,
2: it's for me. I didn't know the journey, and I would. But I guess I don't know because you're you're right. Because I knew that a character was going to die. Mm. So effectively, I, the, mm. the end, like, I don't know how they're going to. I did. I didn't know how they were going to overcome Thanos. Mm. I knew that someone was probably going to lose their life in the process, mm. but. But I still knew that someone was going to lose their life. So maybe for me, it was also... Well, I guess I don't want to know the the actual minute
0: details of Hmm. who dies. but... Because it's also like, even even in the worlds that I'm sensitive to spoilers, there was always and often is still a pleasure to be had from trying to figure it out. Right? And that's that mm. sort of pleasure pain of it really fascinates me because it's almost like you want to go as close as possible to be able to figuring out the final answer, but not quite. right So yeah. the, the closer you can get, the better until you get the answer at which point it becomes disappointing. <laughs> yeah And that mechanics of it really fascinates me, right So if you know a character is going to die, or you know that, you know, Voldemort or Thanos has to be defeated. Yeah. And you're trying to figure out how it's going to happen. And you you come up with all sorts of theories, and you don't know if any of those are correct. And the pleasure is f- trying to get to a believable ending. Yeah. Without the certainty of someone who knows telling you.
2: Telling you, yeah, yeah, yeah. I th- but there's, it's cause I think it's maybe... It just boils down to the mystery of this could be it but it might not be and if it if it does if it isn't what you thought then suddenly it's you, oh wow it was something completely different and if it was what you thought it would be yes I knew they were going to do this but if you knew exactly if you I don't know if, you, if somebody told you this is how it happens yeah I, I think it's it's the chase people want the
0: people want the chase of finding out of following along and I don't know I'm um, just thinking sort of particular moments of Sort of heightened emotion. If I use Doctor Who as an example, the episode where David Tennant's Doctor regenerates into Matt Smith's Doctor. Yes. Everyone knew that was coming. Everyone knew that was David Tennant's last episode. Pretty much most people I know were still carried away by the emotion of the writing and the acting. So, I mean, if you think of it as storytelling, the, there are so many stories that are able to capture your imagination through emotions that are not suspense. Right? Spoil- it seems to me that the, the one emotion that spoilers, the world of spoilers is targeting is that of suspense, right? What is going to happen? I, I don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah. But that leaves room for so many other forms of emotions to do with humor or sadness or, or you know, excitement or... You know, whatever. Uh, none of which have to do with I can't tell what's coming next. So that's specifically what spoilers seem to be. I think I think that's the only the only form of storytelling mm-hmm. that spoilers seem to me to ruin. Yeah, spoil if you like.
2: Because it, that's it's interesting that you say that because you're right. Yeah. Like because at, at that point in time yeah. I was watching Doctor Who. Yeah. and could you really spoil it? Because we knew, we knew it was going to happen. And they'd also shown pictures of who was going to it. wasn't even as if it was going to be like,
0: and your next Doctor is Beyonce. Wow, yeah, I oh my mean, God, I mean, it's different. I, and I know that both Russell T Davies and Stephen Moffat at various point creators of Doctor Who have sort of fantasised about how amazing would it be to be able to launch a Doctor on the show. But the thing is, no one in their right mind would, would ever do that. Because they they miss out on so much publicity, yeah. Right, and that's that's the economics behind it all. That to an extent, the producers of any major TV film franchise want want to spoil. They don't want to spoil too much, but they want to sort of titillate you enough in order to generate publicity. I can't remember the exact
2: details, Mm -hmm. but. Everyone knew that someone was going to die yeah. in Endgame. So I'm trying to remember whether the trailers yeah. showed moments where this could be that character about to die. Mm-hmm. This could be that character about to die. Mm-hmm. Who's it going to be? And I can't, I can't remember if that was part of their yeah. part of their thing or not. Yeah. Because really, if I think about it, I'm trying to think what else they could have spoiled in Endgame. I think that was the... The, the, that, that the death was the big thing that and everyone... The the big remember. thing, but
1: also the, uh, the, the recasting. Yeah? The recasting as well. And I I think... I mean, I come at spoilers from a different perspective because I, there's... I think my social media... Social media d- is serves a different purpose in my life. There's a lot of academics on my social media. Mm-hmm. And they share really, like... I mean, nerdy stuff, not geeky stuff. Like, I yeah. read a lot of, like like commentaries on critical race theory on social media, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yeah. And what I... Where the, the a lot of the Marvel... Well, two of the, the kind of endgame spoilers came out of debates about and critiques of Marvel's kind of continued insistence that white men sit at the core of their universe. Yeah. And for me, it was like, right, this is the time where they're going to respond to this audience. Black Panther's done really well. Yeah. There's this is the time where they're going to phase out the white men mm. for economic reasons. Their audiences, they're now recognizing the demographics of their audience are different. Yeah. The marketing that they've done hasn't necessarily shown them actually an accurate picture of who's mm. going to pay to go see their movies. There's a couple of characters now that are a bit antiquated based on changing demographics and is now, probably time to replace them. Yeah. And so for me, it was not, none of it was surprising given that Mm. knowledge that I had. Yeah. As opposed to a kind of, like, pouring over a trailer and looking at, you know, frame by frame Mm. sort of possible pieces of information that Marvel is drip-feeding trailer-watching audiences. And I came at it that way, which makes me sound a little bit kind of cold and you know, clinical and Detached.
0: Yeah.
1: It's not because I have a
0: you're invested in a different Yeah. Different narrative. So you know, you mentioned Black Panther. Black Panther I think is the only Marvel film I've seen. And I I loved it. But there was nothing about the film that I loved because it was suspenseful, as it were. Okay. There was no point in the film where I was like, "I, I can't tell what's happen, what's going to happen next." That's not why I loved it. Yeah, I loved it for its politics. I loved it for its, you know,
1: music. Music. I loved it's it for its
0: representation, for its cinematography, and all of design, all of those things, mm-hmm. um, which are all part of this. The phrase used earlier about of the world that carries you away, right? Yeah. It's, it's all part of that. Um,
2: but I think. That's what's also interesting about Endgame is that superhero films in general, Mm -hmm. and I think a big reason why a lot of people, maybe a lot of people is a wrong term to Mm -hmm. use, but why there's a uh, a group of people who really don't like superhero films Mm -hmm. and just don't see the point in them is because you know what's going to happen. That's what
0: that that, exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. So it's
2: like so you've got the maybe you've got this person who has a great a great power but doesn't know how to use it and then there's a villain and then they're going to try and fight against it and it looks like they're doing well and then all of a sudden they're going to get batted down and then they will learn something new about themselves or they'll discover something new and overcome the battle, win the day and it's all grand. Hmm. I think what was so big about Endgame and Infinity War is that suddenly
0: Hmm.
2: there were some stakes in a superhero film which was like beyond beyond normal. When you're watching Game of Thrones, Hmm. if you haven't read the books, incredible a a, a tv series where are there any good guys are there any bad guys because no one is safe and anything could happen and it's a wee wee bit more real you're not just Mm -hmm. going to be able to say that person will live until the end because it's a fantasy that that kind of series lends itself to people are going to be able to spoil this because anything could happen if you haven't read the books whereas in superhero films that doesn't tend to happen so i think that's maybe
0: why Endgame and infinity war had such a big thing because there was this, this is I taking think. me sort of slightly away from spoilers and thinking about the richness of storytelling because it seems to me that there is... There in, in, if you divide a world, the world of stories into good guys and bad guys, then there is no formulation of that that can't be an incredible story. Right? You can have incredible stories where they're clear, clear good guys and clear bad guys and they stay good and stay bad throughout. There are incredible stories where you can have good, you know, are they good, are they bad, they keep dropping and changing. Yeah. You can have incredible stories where everyone's good and incredible stories where everyone's bad. So it's just, it seems, and as speak as someone who is invested in spoilers, who is sensitive to and affected by spoilers. Yes. I think it is really interesting how much cultural emphasis we place on the concept of spoilers. When they only affect a tiny, tiny proportion of the kinds of stories that we tell us as human beings. That's interesting. There's so many aspects of storytelling, even in genres that are sci-fi slash fantasy, uh, genres that are seen to be particularly susceptible to spoilers. So Harry Potter being an example. Hannah, you were saying before we turned the machine on that you had Dumbledore's death spoiled for you. Mm-hmm and that took away from your enjoyment of book six, or did it not?
1: Um, I mean, it didn't really. I mean, it it, it kind of did. Yeah. Um, but y- the way that, that she did it, and, and hmm. I don't know how old you were when Harry Potter came out.
2: Yeah,
1: I can't remember. Uh, Yeah. But the way that she kind of would talk about the books as she was writing them was, I remember, I remember when book four was kind of hmm. coming out, she had sort of teased, like, um, t- you know, someone someone dies in this one. It's a bit darker. Mm. There's a death. And everyone was like, who is it? Who's it going to be? And it turned out to be a kind of minor character, but the death was extremely important plot-wise. And um, the, the films m- made a big deal of it by casting Robert Pattinson and kind of a big, uh, making a bigger thing of it than it was in Goblet of Fire. But then every book... After that, she would kind of say a more important character is mm. going to die this time around, and by book six, you knew that it was somebody somebody really important because it was it was really the last time mm. before book seven yeah. was going to come out, and so you knew it was going to be somebody super important. And there was a sort of, you know, if you do a sort of process of elimination, like you can kind of think of like, there's a couple can. of people it yeah. could be.
0: And and also not to interrupt, <coughs> but I think this goes back to a point that Gordon was making earlier on about the rules of storytelling. If you know the genre that Harry Potter is part of, then you know that at some point the father figure guide mentor is going to die so that our hero has to face the world by himself.
1: Yeah, the teacher yeah. Will die. The
0: teacher will, ha- will have to die. So... It's building up to Dumbledore being an obvious person to die in book six.
1: Yeah, what I think is really interesting about that that particular story. Is some people were spoiled by Dumbledore's death. Other people found the spoiler to be that Snape did it.
0: Yeah.
1: And well, for yes. some people, did you not know that? Oh my god, I'm so sorry. No, Snape didn't do it. <laughs> 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 All right, we can get in. We can get into the nitty yes. gritty. <laughs> of yes. the Harry's But Potter that universe. was part of the spoiler, like, right? that, that is part seven.
0: of the... So the, the, the spoiler that could have ruined book seven is that Snape didn't do it.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that he... It, Snape does it, but not the way that you think that he does yeah. it. And yeah. then book seven is just, you know, a gratuitous bloodbath.
0: Except it isn't, though, because this is what's interesting, I and mean, we're getting sidetracked a little bit. But... That trajectory you set out, that book four, a minor character dies, a major character dies in book five, a really major character dies in book six, the characters who die in book seven aren't major characters building up from Dumbledore. Right? The characters in book seven, none of the characters who die are more important than Dumbledore.
1: No, but a lot of them do die. A lot of
0: them die, and Mm -hmm. each death becomes more emotional, right? Like Hedwig's death, Dobby's death.
1: No. Dobby's death is the most gratuitous death in the entire series and is still the only death that makes me cry. And I will read those books over and over and over again and Dobby's death is the only, is the one that I cannot forgive her for.
0: <laughs> so what are, this brings me back to what are some of the most emotional moments for me in the entire seven books of the series are nothing to do with suspense nothing to do with spoilers the one that springs immediately to mind is when harry stands in front, front of the mirror of ever said and figures out what it what the mirror is way back when in book one and that you know there's nothing there's nothing spoilery about that mm. there is not that that sense of an 11 year old boy who's discovered a mirror that will tell tell him what his deepest darkest desires are and his desire is to have a family yeah that that hit me in a way that I don't think any of the deaths really did. Mm-hmm. And it continues to every time I go back to those books mm-hmm. that that's the, the sense of this is a world suffused with death and loss mm-hmm. and grief, because in a sense the, that that's what the books are about. The books are about grief. They're about, they're about mourning. Yeah. Um. And that's not, not nothing to do with spoilers, right? Yeah, that's uh, yeah. yeah, you're right because that's not something that could
2: be really spoiled yeah. for yeah. you. And how would you even begin to explain exactly. that either? Mm-hmm. Spoilers in the way that I see spoilers anyway mm. tend to be very quick. Mm. Bam! Here's a picture, or mm. here's a word, and that's all. That's it, and then that's
0: that's you. That's it, <laughs> gone. And that's not typically about emotion, right? So Dumbledore's death being a spoiler is about this is something happening that you are not gonna know unless you read it yeah but when you are reading i'm trying to remember back to it wasn't spoiled for me at least Mm -hmm. it wasn't wasn't explicitly yeah i was expecting him to die but not because anyone told me when you read it you are not thinking of what's happened next you're thinking this is so terrible this is so sad yeah yeah and that's not something that is it's it seems to me that we are talking about different approaches to a character dying as it were one being the kind from what you said the kind of end game version of it which is you know one of these people are going to die who is it going to be what's happening next the kind of page turning I can't wait to find out what happens and the other in floods of tears because an elf who doesn't mean anything to anybody and doesn't isn't a huge part of the story but has been killed by the author precisely in order to generate this kind of emotion. Those those two things seem to me slightly different. Because I remember, because I'd, I'd
2: read the books, the Harry Potter books, before I saw the films, yeah. um, after a point, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, but I remember seeing spoilers mm. of people being told that Dobby was going to die. Mm. And I think that was like, mm. that's like the worst thing you could have done to somebody. Why did you tell me that? But it's just, it's really interesting. But other, I, I'd spoken about this before we um, mm. turned on the recorder, but we another thing that I, I don't know if you could even classify it as a spoiler, but there's some things, I I do not want to know in advance that there's something that's going to make me incredibly excited or mm. incredibly happy or incredibly sad or make a, or... or, or or feel a burst of emotion, Mm. but um, in the trailers leading up to The Amazing Spider-Man 2, they had the moment where the teaser trailers didn't give much away, but when you started to get to trailer 2, trailer 3, they had Harry Potter Osborne with his skin starting to turn green, crawling towards a glider. And I remember seeing that trailer and thinking, why mm-hmm. like why would you even tell us mm-hmm. that like i don't think it's not really a huge plot point in the story it ends up it ends up being a thing towards the end but it's not there is a there is another thing that happens in that film mm-hmm. that i would have been gutted to find out mm-hmm. more so mm-hmm. however
0: mm-hmm.
2: i remember watching that trailer and thinking how dare you rob me of the moment in the cinema mm-hmm. where i see the green skin and him crawling towards the glider and then putting two and two together and realizing that goblin's going to be here in the film.
0: So, looking at it from the point of view of the trailer maker, what are they interested in? They're interested in getting bums on seats. Right?
2: Yeah, that's all they want.
0: And it didn't stop you from going to watch the film. No, it didn't. So,
2: <laughs> they won. They did their job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're and, right, you're right.
0: And, the, for it's, and this is what's so interesting in terms of the economics of spoilers, right? Fans of any particular franchise will rail against... Uh, publicity or trailers or interviews or any of the elaborate publicity setup that the franchises indulge in mm-hmm. because they give away too much right they yeah. like fans will constantly complain about like in the in the lead up to the launch of a release of a film they're like i i can't go on social media or i can't turn on youtube or i can't watch a, watch tv because there're trailers everywhere the thing is no matter how much you spoil in mm-hmm. a trailer those fans are gonna go.
2: They're gonna go see it, yeah. Right? You're that right.
0: trailer could have been could have shown the entire the, the the what you just said, the 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 thing that wasn't spoiled for you. Yes. And you were glad it didn't. Yeah. If it had, you probably still would have gone.
2: I would have gone to see the film to see how it played out yeah. and got to that point. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I wonder to what extent producers really care about giving spoilers away or not Uh, part of the reason why we we decided to do this uh, episode was there's a story about uh, a fast food uh, restaurant in
1: Texas Texas.
0: (laughs) (laughs) do you know what I'm on a side note I'm surprised (laughs) it's not Florida
1: I know, right? Because uh,
0: that seems this seems like a story that should come come out of Florida. I think
1: it's too normal. It's too for normal. Florida. So
0: there's a story in wh- where uh, an employee in a fast food restaurant has been charged with assault for punching a colleague because the colleague spoiled Avengers Endgame. Mm. Um, so fans clearly care, clearly care oh, so yes. much,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I've seen lots and lots of people on my social media sharing this story and in in outrage and talking about how. No, um, one person, I'm sure they were sort of, uh, they were tongue in cheek as it were, but they said, you know, no one should ever be be convicted of punching someone because if you spoiled it, then you deserved it as it were. Yeah.
1: I had some of that. Um. Yeah. yeah. When this story appeared, people were like, yeah, I would have done the same yeah. thing. Uh,
0: but what's really funny is I bet Marvel doesn't care. No. <laughs> but you know what now as as you're
2: speaking i think it also makes me think about you're right i don't think they care necessarily i think Mm. that the because any publicity is good publicity as far as they're concerned i think if you think about it Mm. maybe the reason people get outraged by spoilers is because they're just pissed off that someone else knew before they did and that other person had the power over them to give them that knowledge. That's all you've done is that you've Mm. passed knowledge on and you're saying how dare you, how dare you educate me about what's going to happen in the future because I wanted to find out and learn it myself and people who give out the spoilers sometimes That's their game. That's the yeah. reason you're doing it. I'm like, a better
0: fan than you are.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Call yourself a fan. You don't even know this. You don't even know that. And then obviously, and then by that's you like throwing your weight around. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the better fan because I already know this, yeah. and I have I have watched all the trailers and I've looked at them all that way, and I went and got I went and saw the film before you did, yeah. and I think the guy got punched maybe more because mm. he was just being a dick about it while he when he mm. gave them the spoiler mm. i i read a thing the other day about this guy who when avengers infinity war came out he was um on instagram and he'd made a post talking about Infinity War and being really excited to go mm. see it and he'd hashtagged it in a, uh, he'd hashtagged it, Thanos Demands Your Silence, which was what um, I can't, um, um, is it the Russo Brothers or someone, that I think that's the name of the guys who do the, who have been making these films. Yeah. Um, that was the hashtag they used when they made the public letter saying don't spoil anything. So this guy made an Instagram post, Thanos Demands Your Silence is the hashtag, and a random guy on the internet commented, with the names of the people who died during the snap and this person was fuming was like Mm. furious but then messaged this person Mm. and was like laughing about it and was saying yeah i haven't i've already seen the film actually Mm. so that was really funny but like Mm. god if i hadn't seen it this guy hadn't seen the film Mm. but he messaged this person was like i've already seen it good Mm. joke Mm -hmm. cool Mm -hmm. and then befriended this person messaged them back and forth just about films Mm. and what they were doing, and they were both interested in the same stuff. With the end goal being, Mm. when Endgame came out, (laughs) he went and saw Endgame and then messaged this guy, the (laughs) spoiler at the end, to get back at him. The guy was like, what? I thought we were friends. And he was like, yeah, well, that's what you did to me last year Mm. or whatever when Infinity War came (laughs) out. And it was just like, whoa, like the lengths that... This guy was just being a dick. Mm. But then the other person, Mm. I think he was being the beggar dick, having this
0: year-long it's power or play, isn't it? It's it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's it's just elaborate power play, and it suggests there's 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 some really um, there's some really interesting assumptions, unquestioned assumptions behind the way the power works. I think, firstly, it there is a sense I think and this comes through in a number of different ex- ways uh, in fan culture, but there is a sense I think that if you if you take avengers endgame as an example or harry potter or doctor who or whatever that the product belongs to the fans that somehow oh it is God. i own it yeah and therefore you shouldn't spoil it yeah you don't own it and
2: just going back yeah. to something you said yeah. earlier on about um when people come up with their own mm. you, pe- people uh, uh, theorize what yeah. they think is going to happen mm you get the people, there is a joy in Mm. coming up with Mm. your own theories and thinking what could happen and how it might play out. And then there's the pleasure of watching it play out. But then you also get the people who go,
0: that was shit. Yeah.
2: Like how... Why, why do you yeah. end it this way? Because my yeah. way was so much better. Yeah, so
0: like, you're not yeah, a writer. Yeah. Like, so yeah. I, I, I had an elaborate... <laughs> before before book six or seven came out of Harry Potter, I had an elaborate theory that Harry was uh, the descendant of Godric Gryffindor. I had lots, ah, all sorts yeah. of different reasons for it. Yeah. I still maintain it would have been brilliant. <laughs> but, you know, I'm not J.K. Rowling. I don't get to decide. The and there's a really interesting sort of, you know... I might, I pay to go and watch a film. I buy a DVD. I own, I buy a book. Hmm. I own the material sort of manifestation of whatever yeah. it is. You yeah, know yeah, that, yeah. that that the object. Physical object. Yeah. And depending on how much of a fan I am, I might buy like director's cut DVDs or like illustrated editions of books. Merchandising. Yeah. I might go to conventions. Fan culture in in many many examples involves a huge amount of financial investment right you have you you pay a lot of money to be a fan yes i
2: go to the conventions yeah
0: and as a result i think there is a sense that the product is mine as a fan mhm
1: yeah like, i have given that so isn't. many hours
2: and time and money into becoming the biggest fan so i know i now own it
1: yeah yeah that no, a sort of emotional investment mm. There's a really interesting um I, originally i had thought that we would ask you more about the kind of emotional connection that you have to the marvel films but the way that you talk about in game the way you talk about spoilers is actually less you don't talk about them like they're your friends like you haven't yet talked about any of the characters who die as if you have personally lost them yeah because i don't think that that's actually how you engage with these films at all no and i think a lot of people do
0: you the way you talked about Dobby's death is closer to that. He's my little buddy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you can make fun of me all you want and laugh all you want, but mm. it is true. Yeah. Dobby is my little buddy. And I I genuinely do. That is how I I enter a story. Mm. So like I so I was talking before we started recording about how much I love Romeo and Juliet. I love Romeo and Juliet because I saw a production of it at the Oregon Shakespeare mm. Festival when when I was at kind of a more malleable age, I think it was 14 or 15, and it was just such a stunning production. Everything Mm -hmm. about it was amazing. And um, the production itself presented these people as if they were our, like, the audience's family and the audience's friends. And it was so successful that I think of the characters in Romeo and Juliet as being part of my kind of social world. Mm -hmm. And so every time they die... I lose them again.
0: And your investment in the story is not about, are they going to die? Your investment in the story is the pain of loss.
1: Because I'm spending two and a half hours with these people who are my friends, yeah. essentially. And I think a lot of people... And it's one of the reasons why I don't love all of the Marvel movies. And why I don't have the same... I don't find them as entertaining as you do. Not all of them, anyway. Mm-hmm. Some of them I definitely do, and some of them I'm surprised at how entertaining I find them. Yeah. But they're not really... They're not the best at creating people that I think of as, as my friends. And it, Harry Potter, for some reason, those books, I guess because of the time, you know, when they came out, I was 11, mm. they were 11, um, you know, you read them and you feel like they are your friends. Yeah. That's one of the reasons people were so kind of invested in a lot of what, what happened, um, especially in Book I 7. See, this,
0: is, this is what's really fascinating to me, because all it seems so much of this isn't to do with spoilers at all. So um, I can't remember if it was Russell T. Davis or Stephen Moffat said about um, Doctor Who, that no, Doctor Who isn't a program just for kids, but anyone who watches it and likes it is watching it as a child. And I think that's true for Harry Potter, right? Like, when you're, when you're reading Harry Potter, it doesn't matter what age you are. You're reading Harry Potter and going, oh, wouldn't it be amazing if there was a platform I in three quarters? Wouldn't it be amazing yeah. if you could walk through that door? You're watching Doctor Who going, oh, wouldn't it be amazing if the TARDIS landed in my back garden?
2: Yeah. You know, like,
0: th- that is... And, and that isn't about suspense. That is about creating a whole other set of stories of your own involving these friends who, who are sort of yours as it were right I mean, you were yeah. you you were sort of i think you said when you were uh, talking about woman juliet before we turned the machine on that you sort of every time you sort of wonder how it's going to end as if it it could end in any other way
1: yeah like this time yeah. it's going to be different yeah this time i want it bad enough she's she's gonna wake up just a little earlier
0: because that is the imaginary parallel story that you were writing yeah as you are watching right it's it's a it's a separate form of story creation that that we all do as as audience yeah and there are particular genres which lend themselves more to it so you know fan videos on youtube for example uh which which allow you to create whole parallel stories fan fiction
1: Mm -hmm. uh comic-con i mean the reason people dress up and go to comic-con is to be there with their friends yeah their fictional friends Yeah. yeah
0: And of course, I- increasingly, as the the high art, low art borders between science fiction, fantasy, and sort of serious storytelling gets blurred, a lot of people who work in the industry are people who are fulfilling their five-year-old fantasies, right? So Russell T. Davis, Stephen Moffat were both Doctor Who fans, mm. which is why it, beca- it it is so delicious when... In in the Doctor Who episodes featuring River Song, for those of you who don't know, River Song is a character who, uh, who is essentially the Doctor's wife. The Doctor and River Song, because it's a time-travelling show, they meet each other in reverse order. So the first time the Doctor meets River Song, it's the first time for the Doctor, but it's the last time for River Song. Mm. And it's happening in reverse order. So River knows everything about what's happen- what's going to happen to the Doctor, but she doesn't tell him anything, and therefore she doesn't tell us anything, because, quote, spoilers.
1: Uh. Yeah, if he were to know, it if would change, know, the, course it would change
0: the course of history. In the way that if you know something as as a member of the audience, the story you receive then changes because it closes down avenues for creation. Yeah, And I think, thinking aloud here, but I think that is the p- point with spoilers. It's not about suspense. It's about closing down what is open, right? As you are watching it, if it isn't closed down, you can your imagination can go anywhere. But once it's closed down, once you know that Dumbledore is dying in book six, mm-hmm. the other options don't exist anymore. Yeah. And it's in the existence of those other options that we get pleasure out mm-hmm. of storytelling. That's fascinating. I've never even thought about
2: it like that, but that's really but you're you're right, I think. I think that's what I think because then I think um even when I think about the um the amazing Spider Man yeah. not really a spoiler but a mm. plot point I didn't really want to
0: see. Yeah.
2: Also he Becomes goblin in this one, okay. So,
0: so he he was never going to be anything else, yeah. Because I, mm-hmm. because obviously, like, if if you know
2: Spider Man, you mm. know that William Osborne is the Green mm. Goblin and his mm. son Harry becomes the Green Goblin, or it mm. also turns into a yeah. villain at some point, yeah. You know it's going to happen, yeah. But you watch it and you go, Oh, maybe this one's different, maybe yeah, this one yeah, won't yeah. happen, or will it happen, but how, yes. So, suddenly it's yes. like, No, yeah, it's happening, so mm. don't worry about that, mm. and then you're like, Oh, mm. oh okay. Whereas, you, whereas if you watch it in the, as you're watching it unfold on the screen, mm-hmm. it's exciting at that point because yeah. you're watching it unfold, because you know that the end point of all mm. these fantasies that you've got mm. is going to be when you watch the actual thing. Mm. But until that point, there's still some mystery and there's still some wonder and not knowing what mm. could potentially happen. Yeah, that's really interesting. That's,
0: yeah, I think you're right. So you gonna spoil Endgame for me now? And for audience?
1: I want to know what you think happens though, first. So what do
0: you what do
2: you what do you know of the
0: story? I know nothing about the. Story tell
1: us, time. tell us your complete understanding of the Marvel universe that has been created <laughs> over the past ten years. <laughs>
0: um, the only thing I know about the film is that there is a character called Thanos. I understand Thanos is a bad guy. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Google did a glove thing, which was quite cool. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Where. If you, there was a glove next to the Google search thing, and if you clicked on the glove, bits of your screen disappeared. Yeah. So following that, I'm wondering if Thanos makes people disappear.
1: That okay. already happened. That happened
2: in okay. Infinity War. That okay. happened in the last one. Okay. But so the glove no, does that. About. Okay. So there's
1: yeah. a glove and it has that power. Okay.
2: Yeah. He's His whole goal is to find these stones that mm. when he puts them on the glove, gives him the power to snap his fingers. And wipe out half of the population of the world, out of the universe as we know it. Just wipe them out.
1: Well, he can do whatever he wants, right? You snap your fingers mm. and you can make whatever reality you want. Oh, yeah,
2: you can do your, That's and what he
1: wants to But do. what he wants is a sort of, like, like expedite evolution in Darwinism. Like, if he... So he's
0: is it, I mean, it's Thanatos, right? Is the Death Drive. Is, is it? Yes. That, that's where the name comes from, I'm yeah. guessing. Yeah.
1: Yes,
2: he and he believes that the the world and the universe cannot sustain the life that's in it at the moment. So if we just wipe out half of all life in existence, then suddenly our resources become
1: yeah extra. So he's, so he's a
0: neo-malthusian. So he's a caricature of like extinction rebellion, like is he a caricature of like climate terrorist in the way that Bane in the, uh, in the Dark Knight or yeah. was, was a caricature of... But n- of, there's less uh, climate movement.
1: change, so it's less environmental... Yeah. It's less environmental and it's overtones. Like, mm-hmm. it's more mm-hmm. existential. It's Humanity is this evil impulse. So one of the reasons that humanity is this evil impulse mm-hmm. is because mm-hmm. there's too much of it, mm-hmm. essentially, in every mm-hmm. way. There's mm-hmm. too much. And so it needs to be... humanity so needs it is to be, in that
0: life, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. essentially. And um, the... Okay, so that's... Okay, wh- what else do you know? Do you... What was the first Marvel... Black Panther. Movie? Black Panther. Ever?
0: That ever. <laughs> <laughs> the first one that I saw was Black Panther. But and that's the
1: first one there is then, because that's the first me. one you saw.
2: But do you, are you, you're aware of the other any yeah. characters? What yeah. characters are you aware
0: of? Uh, Iron Man is Marvel. Okay. Um, he was the first, the first. Marvel film of okay. the, of this. okay
1: iteration yeah um what is it iron man like 2003
2: like yes hulk is marvel mm-hmm. hulk is marvel um a
1: cursed franchise the hulk franchise
2: i like mark ruffalo though I oh
1: mean, he's a good one i he think he's great choice. they went through three before they so we've
2: went. got iron man yeah hulk? he's a big one
1: hulk who else anyone else can you think of any actors that are ever affiliated any chrises there are a few chrises oh
0: tall Thor, Thor. yeah. He's a Chris, isn't he? Yes. He is a Chris. He
2: is a Chris. And the other big one is a Chris.
0: That yeah. we're looking for.
2: There's like, four, there's like four main... Yeah. Dudes. Dudes. Is
0: Robert Downey Jr. in it? He's Iron Man.
2: He's Iron He's Man, Iron, yeah.
0: yeah. Um. He's got a big shield. Oh, come Oh, Captain America. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Captain, America. <laughs> <laughs> Captain America, yeah. I knew that,
2: yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, to be honest, Iron Man, Thor, and Captain America... So pretty much the they were the first three they were the they were so the way
0: i understand it is that all of the the marvel world has all of these characters who have their separate stories yes Mm -hmm. and avengers is them all coming together to fight
2: various uh, various
0: various problems which they can't fight on it's sort of like um what's the what was the tv one where they're all united Power Rangers, Power Rangers, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, Captain Planet, yeah,
0: Captain Planet, oh, Captain Planet, an excellent one. Yeah. yeah, so so th- <laughs> that's, how, that's how I see, that's my understanding of Avengers. Yeah. And what's been great
2: is that they've had all these films. They've had they've had um, Iron Man, Thor, yeah. Captain America, and then sequels to these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then once mm. they'd set up all these yeah. films, they had the Avengers come together. Yeah. And teased at the end of the Avengers film was a big purple dude. <laughs> called thanos who seems to be working for some evil yeah thing Mm -hmm. and then they bring out some more films and Mm -hmm. more sequels and oh here's some more characters who are going to come in Mm -hmm. they're going to arrive and then here's the second avengers film it's Mm -hmm. about a guy called ultron this big robot dude Mm -hmm. who turns up and Mm -hmm. lifts a big city up and goes to drop Mm -hmm. it and then at the end of that they defeat ultron and at the end of that oh He's a big purple dude again. What's he doing? He's collecting. Now we're getting all these stones yeah, as well that have been appearing. So this is over 10
0: years of yeah. stuff.
1: Yeah, and the stones are starting to appear in the individual movies mm. as well. Yeah. So, like, yeah. there's. I think they appeared before yeah. that point as there's well. But yeah. And does Endgame Thor- mean
0: this is the end? Presumably not. They're going to be other Avengers. I think,
2: films. I can't remember if they call it Phase 1 yeah. or Phase 3 or something like yeah, that. It's the, the end, end of. End, yeah. It's the, the, yeah. There's now going to be the next. Yeah. Because we yeah. already know what the next Marvel film is going to be yeah. as well. It's yeah. already started. So that's going to be, like, the start of the next. And is this gonna be an Avengers film or is it gonna be something different? No, it's no, no. it's Spider Man is the next yeah, is the next yeah, film. Yeah. But I don't know what their plan is in the future, whether they're gonna bring everybody back together again. But oh, this okay, yeah. but th- this whole thing up mm. until now, the past years since Iron Man One mm. has been leading up to the Infinity War. Okay. And this is this is it. this yeah. is why it was such a humongous thing because after yeah. years and years of films yeah. and careful planning on their side, but the, this has already been a comic, yeah, as, yeah, yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like this so, has already happened. So the who's comics. the
0: character who dies? Let's finish on
2: that. The
1: character who dies. Do you want to guess? Do you want to guess who it is?
2: It's one of the main three.
1: It's one of the white guys. Is it Captain America? No. Who is the first the, one? The original Iron Man. Iron Man. It's Iron Man. Yeah.
2: So everyone knew it was going to be either Captain America or Iron Man, and to be honest, I thought it was going to happen in Infinity War, mm. but it didn't. Ah, that I was. I actually thought it was going to happen in Civil War because mm. in the Civil yeah. War, <coughs> it's actually in the Civil War mm. comics. Mm. I haven't read them, yeah. but it's in there. that Iron Man dies.
1: Civil War is one of the Captain America. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But it's there's also so there's all the subplots. Mm. There's also the like the side, mm. the side characters yeah. like the the weird quirky like Mm. Marvel B side which is the Guardians of the Galaxy type they arrive they're around there's a Pratt Mm. in Mm. there Mm -hmm. Chris Pratt is not my favorite no Um, don't sue me oh he's great (laughs) (laughs) but the the um, the Iron Man kind of Like departure, mm. what is it? I don't know what it is. Like, yeah, what, execution. What I don't know what it is it. But like, he's martyrdom. Martyr yeah, him. yeah. I mean, and and it is a sort of. I mean, it's it's all the tropes, right? The mm-hmm. the archetypes. They're all they all fulfill the kind of hero mm. archetypes, mm-hmm. and the tropes are all there. And there's a a big long multi-film mm. um, kind of division between what the role of the superhero is. So yeah. they debate over. The existential role of a superhero, yeah, yeah. and that debate roughly corresponds to what was happening in the United States at the time, yeah, in yeah. terms of a sort of like a conservative versus liberal, yeah, progressive yeah, approach yeah, to like whatever. And yeah. there's a little bit of politics in there, but the Iron Man death. I mean, I, f- I feel like I mean I knew it was going to happen as soon as they showed his kid. Hmm. Hmm. You have a kid. You don't. So get he's going to take
0: over, presumably, in the next function, like the next iteration. The kid will grow up to be somebody.
1: Was well, a I, girl, it's so a, maybe
2: it's a maybe. But she's she's five, so they're they're. I think they're going to move on because already, someone they've already got someone who could mm. be Iron Man, mm. who yeah. could be the next Iron Man already, and then Captain America he passes on his shield yeah, to yeah. someone else. Like, mm. they are the the like the big... is still kicking mm. about, which I am delighted about. But yeah, the big two <laughs> is Captain America mm. and Iron Man, and they both kind of... Ar- Iron Man doesn't pass the torch, but there's kind of hints to who yeah. it could potentially be yeah. after him. And mm-hmm. then Ar- Captain America physically mm. Mm. gives his shield to someone else mm. to mm. kind of put a full stop in it. Yeah. But the characters who joined halfway through mm. are going to move on to the yeah. next... Yeah. Good. Good. So yeah. So if you feel
0: you've found yourself
1: I'm emotionally absolutely shook I'm, 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 with that what's I'm, happened um, to you? Are you stop crying? Stop, you crying. Yes. stop crying, and enjoy. it's okay. I'm. I'm.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope we haven't ruined anything for you. Um, you knew it was coming. Um, oh, we warned you. Um, let us know what you think. Let us know if you agree with any of this. Let us know if you disagree. Um, thank you, Gordon. No, thank you. Hope to to see you on another future episode at some point. That would be great. I've had an absolute blast. Uh, And we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode.
1: I have been Hannah Fitzpatrick.
0: And I have been Anindya Richardry.
1: You can contact me on Twitter at DrHFitz.
0: And me at DrAnindyaR.
1: Our music was provided by The Agrarians. And this has been State of the Theory.
0: Thank you. Where would we be? Where would we be?